next week, we will turn back to the broader subject of marriage once again. And two weeks ago, we discussed the husband's role in marriage and how they must humbly lead their wife in love. And today, we specifically hone in on the wives, the ladies of the congregation, and explore the wives' role in marriage. So turn with me to Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. And as we begin, I'll lead us in prayer. Holy Father, we come to you recognizing that we are nothing without you, recognizing that the only way we can come to you is because of the grace that has been bestowed upon us in Christ Jesus, Father. We ask us that you open our eyes to living out the gospel every day of our lives as husbands, as wives, to each other, Father. Help us to be homes filled with your glory. Help us to be churches that are filled with your glory. Help us to be individuals that are filled with your glory. Father, be with us this morning. May your spirit work mightily on our hearts. Convict us of our sin. Encourage us, challenge us, change us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians 5, and 23 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And I want to start out real encouraging this morning by starting out by giving three ways churches do a disservice to Christ by mishandling this section of Scripture on women's roles in marriage. And the first way, many churches mishandle this passage by completely ignoring it, bypassing it, and are totally silent on the role of women in marriage altogether. And I will tell you, the silence is deafening. It communicates a clear message that roles in marriage do not matter. It's not a priority for many churches. But I would suggest to you that many of these churches that teach on tithing religiously, also start teaching on roles in the home as well. Because Christ rules our finances, but surely he rules our homes too. The second way many churches mishandle this passage is by changing the word submission to something more palatable for our present culture. For example, many churches have changed the word submit to support. They say wives are to support their husbands instead of submit to them. This is easier to digest, so much more politically correct, but it is clearly incorrect. It is wrong. Submission is not just support. Let's look at verse 24. Go one verse down from our main text this morning. Verse 24 in Ephesians 5. And it says this, now as the church submits to Christ, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So let's take that word submit out and put the modern translation in by putting support in. So let's read the modern version. Now as the church supports Christ, 
Wives, support your husbands. Is that an honest reading of God's word? Or is that a way of avoiding controversy? As Christians, our goal, as pastors, our goal is to handle God's word with precision, accuracy, rightly dividing the word of truth. We cannot change words like that. What is our role to Christ? Is it to support him or to submit to him? One carries a weight of authority while the other one does not. Support means to help, which is, of course, part of submission. But to submit is much more than that. It means to be under the authority of, to defer to, to be willing to give up my will and follow someone else's. That's what it means to submit. And the final And third way many churches mishandle this passage is by trying to say that verse 21 is the general rule for marriage, which says in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But if we look at the passages, he was just talking to the local church and he gave all this information to them and he ends by saying submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he turns his attention to the marriage and then he turns his attention to parents. The reality of it is Paul is finishing up his thought on the local church. That's what he was doing there. And then he goes on the verse 21 and he turns his attention to marriage and the family. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So we don't want to downplay, water down confuse or change the word of God just because it's not very popular in our culture today. God's word cuts through culture like a knife and it speaks life to people who are being drawn by the Holy Spirit and we need to make sure we are preaching the truth. So I ask church, what comes to mind when you hear the word submission? I mean... Submission is not popular, as I have said. It's not a popular topic in our society, and it's not popular in most churches today either. Biblically speaking, it's really popular, though. Submission is all over the scriptures. Christ submitted to the Father God, right? We submit to Christ. The church submits to Christ. The Bible talks about submitting to authorities, right? We are told to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, We are also told that children are to obey and submit to their parents. And our topic today on the role of the wife, she is called to submit to her husband as well. So why is it that this topic then brings such frustration, such anger, such animosity, such hostility? We have all heard the negative sayings about submission, like, doesn't that mean I have to be a doormat? Or doesn't that mean I have to be a slave to my husband? Or doesn't that mean that I have to be a puppet to my husband? And this is not what God's word is saying when we are told, when wives are told to submit to their husband. But I would ask, why is submission such a hard concept for most to swallow? Many 
would say that the problem or the stigma attached to submission has to do with our culture, that we're individualistic and we want freedom to do whatever we want. We don't want anybody hindering our freedom. Others would say it's because of the feminist movement. And still others would say it's because men have abused their position as leader and they have abused their wives when we talk about this idea of submission. But I would suggest it goes much deeper than that. That it goes to the heart of each woman in this congregation and each woman in the world. So turn with me to Genesis 3.16 because this is where the first marriage began. But we're going to look at the first marriage after the fall. So turn to Genesis 3.16. And we're going to look at the second part of it. And this is when God confronts Eve and tells her what the ramifications of her rebellion against the Lord was when she ate from the tree. And the Father God to Eve said this, Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And at first glance, I would ask, how is this a curse? Because it says that your desire should be for your husband. To desire or long for your husband sounds like a really good thing, right? I mean, I want my wife to desire me, right? But this phrase in the Hebrew would be better translated as a desire to control, a longing to rule over is a better rendering of this passage. So to explain this passage clear, we would say your desire would be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Which leads to point number one, which says submission is against the flesh. Submission is against our flesh. So naturally, wives will have a desire to control or usurp their husband's authority. It's in their DNA. It's in our DNA as well as leaders, right? Do we really want to submit to God as husbands? No. This battle is much deeper than just our American culture or a struggle with the influence of the feminist movement. This is... The heart problem, it is a spiritual matter. It is part of the fall. It is connected to the sinful nature that we're talking about. GotQuestions.org was just a great online resource. If you're studying different topics biblically, on this perspective of Genesis 3.16, they say this. God is saying that Eve would desire to rule over her husband, but her husband would instead rule over her. Sin had wrought discord. The battle of the sexes had begun. So we see from the beginning that the blessing to follow the husband was now considered a curse. The husband and wife would now collide in leading the family. The wife would not naturally want to follow her husband anymore as she did before the fall. They both wanted control. They both wanted to be the leaders. Let me ask you, do you see power struggles in your marriage this morning? Do you see power struggles in other marriages around you? Do you see that wives today still struggle with the curse found in Genesis 3? 
But let's go back to our main text, Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. And it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So who does Paul compare the husband to in these passages? Paul says to submit to your husband as to the Lord, right? As to the Lord. And I know most of you wives already are on the same lines of thinking because I hear you talk in the foyer and you talk about your husband as being your master and your Lord and, you know, Fred, my master, Bill, my Lord. You know, I hear that a lot. That's good. But let me ask, ask us this. How would we treat Christ if he showed up in person to our house? Let me be more specific. Wives, if Christ came to your home tomorrow, how would you treat him? Would you, what would you say to Christ? I'm sure it would be an exciting moment, right? An exciting time, unless he comes up just without any letting you know, and you're a little freaked out by it too. But nonetheless, it probably might go something like this. Jesus, can I get you something to drink? Lord, how was your day? Lord, how can I serve you? Is there anything I can do for you, Lord? Or would it be something like this? Jesus, it's your turn to change the diapers. Jesus, these kids have been driving me crazy all day long. I'm glad you're here. I'm out of here. You take over. So your husband comes home. How would you treat him? Would you ask him how his day was? Would you find out how you could serve him? Would you offer him something to drink? Wives, are we lifting up our husbands, serving them, honoring them, respecting them? Paul is saying in these passages that our wives should submit to their husbands the way they would submit to who? The Lord in the flesh is what it's saying. That's what Paul's saying. It's not what I'm saying. Don't get mad at me. You may be thinking, Terry, you don't know my husband. He is definitely not like Jesus, nor is he like the Apostle Paul. If I was going to try to explain my husband to you, Terry, hmm, I would think maybe he's probably like the Pharisees who Jesus was always attacking. Or, you know, who is the worst scoundrel in the Bible? That's probably more like my husband. Well, let me first say that none of us who are husbands, are like Jesus. We struggle with sin. We fail. But the reality of it is, wives, we aren't supposed to submit to our husbands because they earn it or deserve it. Not at all. It's not measured on a husband's goodness or godliness, but on the position he is placed in as the head of the home, the leader, the husband. Which leads to point number two. Point number two says this. Wives submit to their husbands because of their position. Wives submit to their husbands because of his position as husband. Similarly, 
A husband does not love his wife when she is being respectful only. No, he should love her when she is rude and unloving as well. He should lay down his, wife, his life for his wife, even if she is the worst wife in the world. Why? Because of the position she is in as wife. It's not connected to how she acts or how she behaves. So, what are some characteristics of a godly, submissive wife? What are some characteristics of a godly, submissive wife? Well, turn with me to 1 Peter 3, 1 through 4. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 4 to answer that question. Verse 1 of 1 Peter says this, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So I want to stop there and just a side quick note here. This isn't really part of what I wanted to get to. This is just extra bonus here. But this reveals that there is real power behind submission. As many Try to act like submission is for the weak. No, not the case at all. It's for the very strong, discerning, wise wife. We see that God uses a submissive wife to sometimes change the heart, the hardest of hearts of an unbelieving husband. And it says, by the way, it's without words. There's not a lot of places that say without words that they can be won over. As a man is respected and honored, not because he deserves it. He doesn't deserve it at all. But because his wife loves the Lord, she loves and respects and submits to her husband. But let's continue on in First Peter. And now we're in verse 2. And I just want to look at some of the characteristics of a submissive wife that emerge. So let's jump. I'm going to read verse 1 again and read verse 2. It says again in verse 1, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So the first characteristic we see in a submissive wife is that, number one, she is respectful. She has a respectful conduct to her she her behavior is respectful let me ask you wives are you respectful to your husband does your conduct your actions reveal you respect your husband a few examples would include listening to him giving him eye contact warmly greeting him Showing him honor. Holding him in high esteem. Biblically, wives are called to respect their husbands. Again, because of the position, not because he deserves it. We as husbands don't deserve anything from our wives. We don't deserve anything from God, right? We get a lot of grace, amen? And in our relationship with our wives, we should be giving one another grace all the time. As God has been so gracious to us. But the second character, 
characteristic we see here in a submissive wife is that she also has pure conduct. Let's look back at verse 2. It says, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And other words that we could use for pure here, just to give you a better picture of what he's saying, could be clean, modest, or innocent. So we see she is not an attention seeker. She is not trying to be center of the party. She is not trying to take over all conversations and make it about her. That's not what she's doing. She is not also trying to be worldly wise, but it says that she is pure and undefiled for God and her husband. Well, let's continue on in verse 3 and 4 of 1 Peter 3 to find the other characteristic of a submissive wife. And it says this, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So the third characteristic we see in a submissive wife is she has a gentle and quiet Spirit, which means she is under control. She is disciplined in her heart, which is revealed by her actions, her behaviors, the way she lives her life. She's not controlled by her emotions. She is not enslaved to her feelings, but she is controlled by the authority of the word of God. So let me ask a question. What is the opposite of a gentle and quiet spirit? What's the opposite of a gentle and quiet spirit? Wouldn't it be a wife who is aggressive, boisterous, brash, questions and challenges her husband at every turn, and conflict is always close by when she walks into a room? The Bible calls a wife like this a nag, quarrelsome, argumentative. What does God's word say about a nag? Let's look. Let's look at Proverbs 21.9 and Proverbs 21.19. Proverbs 21.9 says this. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. This is the Bible again. Proverbs 21, 19. Better to live in a desert than with a nagging wife. So we see see that it is better for a husband to go in the garage, get his tent, get his sleeping gear, get some water, get some snacks, and camp out on the corner of a roof than share a room with a nagging wife. That's just what the scripture says. I'm, yes, I added the camping gear stuff, but the reality of it is, that's just what the Bible says. And the point here, please hear me on this, the point here is not to say, oh, you're a nag, I'm leaving. No, that's not the point here. The point that the Bible is trying to make is that it's very dangerous, it's very detrimental, it's very divisive, it destroys families when you have a spouse who is quarrelsome and a nag. And this, not, this isn't just for the, the wives, that's for the husbands as well, if they're nags. Wives, do we argue and fight with our husbands this way? 
Do we nag because we know better than our husbands? When we nag and fight, we are rebelling against God himself. Nagging is an example of not being submissive. But Martha Peace has this phenomenal book called The Excellent Wife, which is a great resource for all wives and even husbands to learn some things from. And she has a section that she talks about ways wives are not submissive, very practical things that she shares. So I want to just go through five of them with you really quick. So number one way a wife is not submissive is when she pouts or gives a cold shoulder to her husband and when she doesn't get her own way. This wife is in the habit of feeling sorry for herself. She often believes she deserves more from her husband, so she focuses not on God for her strength. She focuses on herself and fights and complains that he needs to be more loving. Give me more, 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 more. Focuses on her. Number two, the second way a wife is not submissive is when she does not discipline her children the way she ought to, even after her husband asks her. And this is, again, not just the wives. This could go either way on things like this. But you often see this in counseling where the husband wants to spank the child while the wife thinks it's too harsh and would rather reason or make a deal with little Johnny. And we know how well it goes to make deals with little Johnny. It doesn't go very good. Number three. Third way a wife is not submissive is when she manipulates her husband to get what she wants. This could be done through tears, begging, intimidation, or complaining. I know you guys know this one. We see this when Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house. Listen to this. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving? Then tell her to help me. Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? Number four. The fourth way a wife is not submissive is when she corrects, interrupts, and talks for her husband in the company of others. This occurs when you have a wife who thinks, again, she knows better than her husband on numerous topics and subjects. So she jumps in to help her poor husband who can't really get a sentence out, right? But in reality, it shows how controlling she is and how prideful her heart is. Number five, the fifth way. A wife is not submissive is when, she, when the husband makes a bad decision and his wife, instead of being gracious to him, reminds him that she thought this was a mistake in the first place. It goes something like this. I'm not trying to remind you that I was right, but I, I sort of was. Next time, you really need to listen to me. And by the way, you know, God's just given me the gift of discernment. And I'm really gifted in these areas, so you need to follow what I tell you. I, this is what happens behind closed doors. Husbands, husbands should, of course, seek counsel from their wife. Of course, if, if we don't, we're really stupid, Right? We need to value our wives' opinions and get their wisdom. But at the end of the day, I, as the husband, am answering before God for my family. And every other husband in this room as well. 
because as we remember two weeks ago, we talked about when Eve ate from the tree, God went to who? Adam. He didn't go to Eve for what Eve did. He went to Adam, the head of the house, right? The wife must be gracious with her husband's wrong turns and sometimes poor decisions that he makes. Corinthians tells us love builds up. Give grace. Show humility to your husband. He needs it desperately. Well, let's go back to the main text, Ephesians 5.22. Ephesians 5.22. You may be thinking, I know what the scriptures say, but I am a natural born leader. Submission is just not part of my DNA, nor is it part of my personality. Similarly, a husband may not think it is part of his personality either to lead, but this is the position God has him in. Amen. This is true for you as a wife as well. You need to grow in the position that God has you in. We cannot use excuses for why we will not obey clear and plain and simple scripture. In conclusion, I would ask the wives, are you growing in joy this morning? Is your marriage full of joy? Are you full of gentleness? Are you learning to be more self-controlled as a wife? Are you growing deeper in love with Christ and your husband this morning? Galatians 5, and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As we obey Christ, God grows us. He matures us. He gives us more of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not dependent on our spouse's works. It's dependent on us as wives and husbands obeying what God's Word says to us and us alone. And as a wife who submits because of her love for Christ, she is wrapped up in love. In peace, in patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, in self-control. I want to end by reading a proverb, just one verse. Proverbs 31, verse 10 says this. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is worth far more than rubies. Wives, may we seek to be women of noble character, to serve and honor and glorify the Lord alone. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, what clarity your word gives us, what confusion we hear in our culture, in our church culture. Father, give us wisdom to 
to the scales to fall off our eyes and to read your word for what it says, not for what we want it to say, not for what seems to, to fit our culture, but what your word clearly says. Give us discernment. Let your spirit be working and changing us as husbands and wives. May our marriages be built on the rock, Jesus Christ. May we love each other and be, as we've talked about, graceful to one another. The man who, who stumbles and fumbles and tries to lead and the wife who stumbles and fumbles and tries to follow. May they both, may we all give each other grace because we need it so often. But Lord, as we walk in our roles in marriage, we talk about, again, revival. If we are not obeying you in our homes, how are we going to actually have a revival in the church our homes are many churches in a sense. Help us, Lord, to get our home lives in order for your glory. And it's through Christ's name we pray. Amen.